So we have a project. We have a project. We call it OM Champion Project. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Marseille View. Uh, today's a midweek episode uh, which we're not used to, to making. Uh, usually for midweek games we just kind of skip it to the next weekend game and, and kind of cover both games in one weekend. But this week, seeing how Marseille was playing Angers, was second against the third place in, in Liga, we thought, you know what, Let, let's not miss the opportunity to cover such an such a expected game and um, also cover some of last weekend's game against Brest because it was so um, entertaining to watch and it was so eventful. So um, before I introduce the speakers, so we're gonna, I'm just gonna quickly run through the structure because it's gonna be a bit different um, because we're gonna keep to the, to, to the one hour podcast, but we're gonna have to cover two games essentially. Uh, we're gonna do it slightly different. So uh, we're gonna spend the first half an hour covering the Brest game um, kind of not going line by line, player by player, but maybe going through the highlights of the game and then getting the speakers to, to kind of pick and choose like their top three events, top three performances, and then we'll move on to uh, which is yesterday's game against Angers, where Marseille won 2-0 uh, to keep their five winning streak, streak, sorry, the first streak, first five win streak since Bielsa. So it's been nearly five years that Marseille has won five games in a row. And so it will be important to cover that too. Um, so without further ado, let's introduce our speaker. So first of all, we've got um, his second for the podcast. We've got Raf. Hey there. There How we are go. You? <laughs> a bit of a delay. Yeah. I was like, Raff. Yes, sorry. It was, uh, I'm putting my mic off mute, which was a bit of delay. Sorry <laughs> about that. <laughs> All right. How you doing, man? Good, good, good. Yeah, and uh, enjoyed especially the last after few these games. games, like, oh, not to be good, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it, <laughs> being weird, isn't it? We, we're starting to get a little bit, a little bit accustomed to winning, aren't we? Yeah, exactly. Hope it will stay like this. Like, we won't have surprises like uh, few, last few years. But yeah, it feels good to finally yeah. be confident and be happy after the games. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And we've got, we've got a good chance of keeping the streak going, seeing, seeing the next run of games. And the second speaker is uh, Ben, a little casual. How are you doing? <laughs> Very well, mate. I'm uh, nursing a, a five wins in a row hangover, so <laughs> not not too bad, not too good, but not too bad either. Um, yeah, you, know, you surf on, you sort of surf on the positivity, don't you? So it's good. Yeah, it's true. You're like the players, you know. Like as long as you're winning, you don't mind. You don't mind getting more tired and tired week after week. For you, yeah, as long exactly, as we're winning, yeah. you don't mind just carrying the hangover. <laughs> <clears throat> not at all, mate. Not at all. Take one for the team. Brilliant, brilliant. So uh, Ben, by the way, uh, he's the um, kind of the the manager of uh, of OM Nation in London. Um, he's the one that, that obviously organises most of the events uh, at the number one bar in London. And uh, it seems we've got like the official sponsorship with the bar. Yeah. So <clears throat> the, the bar were, were, you know, they've been very good at hosting us so far. They they always 
you know, bend over backwards and put the games on the big screen for us. And to add to that, the, the club are doing a very good job of supporting us. So they actually sent us a, a whole decoration pack. So we, we set it all up yesterday. Um, you know, we've got the club colours in the bar. It's, it's our permanent home for the, for the foreseeable future. It may, may change, who knows? But for now, we're there. And it's it's good. We've got our HQ. We've got our we've got our, our, our flags up there. Our scarves are up there, and it's it feels like home. So, it just adds a little bit of atmosphere to to when watching games, really. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I came last week um, for the Marseille against uh, Toulouse game, uh, and it was there was a lot of people for such a like a like a low end kind of expectation game, wasn't it? It was a lot of Marseille fan. Yeah, I mean, football is the Sunday night game, isn't it? It's the, it's the attraction of the week in the league. So we, we tend to always play on Sundays. We, we're the most popular team. People are going to have to deal with that. Um, <laughs> and more, more and more people are coming. And I think it's you know it's a sign of the times. I mean, it's when, when we're winning, there, there will be a lot of us. And, and when we're not doing well, there, there'll probably be less of us. So well, I've seen that trend over the last year. You know, there's, there seems yeah, to be true. a solid group of 15, 20 people every Sunday night now, so it's good to keep it going. Yeah, it's true. Okay. Well, hopefully we'll keep going with all the wins and starting with Vordo next week. Uh, but before we look ahead, uh, let's look back. So not from yesterday's game, but on Friday's game, Friday night's game against Brest. Uh, so Marseille hosted Brest, uh, a very, very entertaining game. You guys will probably agree, probably one of the most entertaining yeah. games Definitely. of the season, probably of the whole league facilitated by Brest to they're known you know Olivier Dalloglio the the Brest coach is known to be a very playful uh, uh manager regardless of, of the team that he puts out um he always plays from the back and that was clearly one of the mainstay tactics against Marseille on Friday and Marseille ended up winning 2-1 with with I mean a flurry of of, of shots probably I th- we had like what 34 shots um so but we managed to win 2-1 um so I'll ask you guys, um, we'll probably just talk about it in more general, but I'll probably start with you, um, Raf. Um, when you came into the game, what were you expecting and, and and did it kind of exceed your expectations a little bit? Yeah, so first one, I I saw like that game, I, I won't really wanted to see that game because to be honest, I love what Dagaloglio has done with Dijon before. I really like what he has done. I really like this coach. And uh, I was thinking last year, if we fired Garcia within the season, I want him as a new coach. But Intel was really exciting to see that. And uh, and actually, the game was even better than expected because actually, AVB just hit him alive. Like, it destroyed his whole strategy um, with the eye pressing and so on like just they were not able to play the, the, what they wanted to play especially the best player was missing and so yeah just we perfectly knew what uh, Brest was going to do and there was a perfect plan to mitigate that and so that was really interesting to watch and we had a lot of uh, shots and it was really attacking football and that was quite pleasant to be honest really yeah the best game so far Yeah, Ben. What? What? Yeah, um... the same. Yeah, the same analysis, really. I mean, um, as you guys have said, I think Dalloglio is is an ambitious coach. He's he plays good football. He likes his teams to play to actually play football, and they they are actually one of the rare teams in the last couple of years that have come to the velodrome and not sat back deep and and have actually tried to play play football and and you know presses and 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 bring their own game. And not yeah. not sort of adapt to us. So no, it's, it, it, I was a bit worried 
how we would adapt to them because again we're, we're you know we're used to, to teams coming to Velodrome and sitting deep so it's a different kind of game when you, you actually have the possession and, and we've seen our players and our team not be very creative in, in certainly in the earlier weeks of the season but we seem to have found the rhythm now and uh, yeah it, it was just very entertaining I mean we I think that's the highest uh, I don't know if you guys follow the expected goal stats analysis that, that yeah. um, one of one of the guys does on Twitter, but yeah, that was our, our third highest ratio um, in the last six years in terms of, um, of, of attempts. We, in theory, we, we could have scored three or four easily, yeah. but it just yeah. didn't want to go in the back of the net, did it? And I mean, it's not. I mean, I, like you said, I just want to bounce off what you said, Rafa. I honestly, if we had coaches like that more often in Liga, it, it would be great. And for those who say, you know, yeah, he plays pretty football, but it doesn't really equate to winning in a league where, you know, talent, it, it, quite like the lower teams have, are short on, on technical abilities and, 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 you know, are a bit kind of, they, they're not encouraged to play that style of football because they don't have the, you know, the Piets of the world, the Rangers of the world to actually, you know, successfully build from the back. But it's not true because Brest yesterday beat Strasbourg at home five 0 So yeah, it it just show, uh, it shows I... you if you if you dedicate yourself to to play from the back and dedicate yourself from to actually you know have any intention of playing, it's possible with limited players with um with with newly promoted players to actually beat quite successful sides of Liga. Yeah, definitely. And it's even more efficient. This is like people that stay uh, backwards and park the bus, basically, because you know where, oh, you want to build your attacks, you have your plan in mind, you know what you can do, you are prepared to that. These teams, however, struggle a lot versus teams that are first technically better. And they know when, when you press them really high because that pushes them to make mistakes. And also, I think the Velodrome, again, helps Marseille. Like, I think they were really under pressure. It was an additional pressure than what happened to the pitch. And so, yeah, I think that's why it ended up like this, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, like I said, Marseille had 35 shots on target, three posts in total. And we're actually, despite all of this, in the 88th minute, it was actually 1-0. Ben, what, yeah, it's, what, it's classic. What, classic. What do you make, Ben? <laughs> what, what, actually, I was going to talk to you. What, what, what do you make of of Marseille's kind of inability to to, to, to to like to produce to actually like capitalize on these chances? Well, you know, I was very frustrated. I I, I, I was very excited. You know, just watching the game, you're just expecting the ball to go in, and it's what. And then the more the game goes on, you sort of think, shit, it's not going to work for us, or or we're going to scrape a one nil. Um, even though we deserve a lot more, and, and it was headed that way for a long time, and you know, to his to his fault, but also to his credit, I mean, Bunasar missed a flurry of chances and, and was quite imprecise in, in the first half, um, and then he, he fought fair play to him. He kept his head down. He didn't he didn't lose the belief, and he, he did get a goal. And uh, you know, no, it has to be said. I mean, the, the intelligence of Benedetto. I'm sure we'll touch on this again later, but the run and his movement and the way he reads the game and, and he seems to always be aware of where his teammates are and, and the way he set up that goal was just amazing. Definitely like I mean how everyone involved in that in that goal. Bunasar who actually ends up scoring is probably the one who least deserved to score the goal. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. 
Yes. Yeah, so... like, and even from the beginning, like with Amavi that plays um, really fast after he, he gets back to the ball, like Payet in this pass, like without any control and first touch is just pff, first touch uh, outside and, the boot oh, it was beautiful yeah it's it was incredible yes and obviously Bayet was man of the match um, with a 9 out of 10 on, on the score what do you honestly from my perspective we're starting to see the Payet that we saw under Garcia two years ago when he was literally carrying us to the Europa League final where he seems to just have like every single ball passing the midfield is just going through him He's able to like convert on those outside on this ridiculous outside the boot passes. He can see the, the pitch so well. And it what do you guys think? Do you do you think that that's the plant that we're going to see till the rest of the season maybe to make a push for the for his Euro 2020 spot or, no, or do you think it's just a, a splash in the pan? He is always the same, isn't he? We we always know that that he's super motivated when there seems to be a tournament, an international tournament at the end of the season. That seems to be a trend with him. Um, but it's quite clear that you know I think we discussed this this earlier on in the season the fact that from all of our star players supposedly star players Mondada was the only one who'd stepped up and it improved on last season and Payet took a while to get going a bit like a diesel engine but he's, he seems to have found his stride now and we we know also that he's he's very psychological psychological and mm. he always works he seems to be to be motivated by the affection and the relationship he has with a coach and. It's quite an interesting article came out yesterday or the day before about the, apparently Villas Boas gave him gave him a stern dressing down after he, he got sent off stupidly against Montpellier and you know it, it could have backfired because probably if Garcia would have done that he'd have told him to go fuck himself. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that, that he he's he sort of earned Payet's respect in a way when he did that because he actually put him in, in front of his responsibilities and said, "Mate, you've let the team down. We're counting on you. I've designed all of my game plan." around you for the next four weeks in our run of, of supposedly winnable games that we, we ended up drawing and I don't think we won any in that in that run and yeah I think he, he sort of realised got his head down realised how important his role is in terms of leadership and setting the example and, and ever since he's come back from suspension bar the PSG game he's, he's just been phenomenal and let's hope it continues mm. yeah definitely Next things that I'd like to talk about is I'd like to actually revisit three different topics that we talked in previous podcast in recent podcast um, here from obviously different speakers because you guys were not always on a podcast. Um, the first one is talking about Radonich because let's face it, we need to talk about Radonich at this point. Last podcast in Toulouse, <laughs> we said like obviously Radonich came on was still very wasteful with the ball, but he managed to have that moment of brilliance when when he managed to actually cut back inside and score his first goal for the club. And one of the big questions was, is he going to build on momentum or is it just basically a fluke? Against Brest, he acted like he was essentially the saviour at home and it seems that he's just building confidence. What do you guys think? I expected him to start and he didn't. And in a way, it seems to be paying off because he is, he is that, super, that sort of super sub. And I mean... <laughs> You know, how many times have we seen we've seen our players when when you can see the goal, you know, and you make a run forward and you start dribbling three or four players from kickoff, you all go for fuck's sake, what's that guy doing? He's just going in there by himself. He's got no support. What the hell is he even thinking? You know, and he he just went for it, and and that shot was just a thing of, of brilliance. I mean, for him to come on, knowing that he's probably got a little bit more pressure and a bit more expectation on him now, and to, and to just turn on the class again. I mean, I think that that was probably his best. 
action in a Marseille because everything was flawless. His his run, his dribbling, and then his hit, the way he angled his body to, to curl the ball in over the keeper. It was just it was fantastic. I mean, I think we all um, we were all super super happy and super ecstatic when when he fired and it went in the top corner and you know can Bruce were as well. Frank Sozier lost this shit literally. Yeah. <laughs> on, on the mic, yeah. Raf, Raf, do you, do you honestly after that after those two goals that he scored in a row, and the, the confidence that he seems to display game in and game game out now for three games, do you expect him seeing that we have an empty space in the right midfield or we play Bunasar or we play Lopez or we play Germa, do you now expect him to start up front? I don't know to be honest because we know like this kind of player like his profile is really highly technical players but we are also really high risk players and so it's really difficult to manage to have like an equilibrium within the team with this kind of of player there even if I think it might be it's more likely than he start on the right because we have more defensive stability on the right with Angier and Sakai for example which are much more I trust much more defensively than Sanson and Amavi, for example. So, but the thing is, with his, his specific cities, like if he arrives with after like a sub when the team we are facing is already tired with his speed and so on, like he can completely destroy them just by his technical abilities and his speed. And so that's why I think like as a sub, it could be a really great opportunity, and. I do think also on the right, he has less, he can, uh, on the left he's better because he's best food and so on, he's more, he has, he has his habits. On the right, he has to learn how to be a right winger, so I don't see him starting, to be honest. Mm. But yeah, yeah, I think it will be really important for the rest of the season if he can keep the momentum in his confidence. Right, well, you, you say that, it's, it's got to bear in mind that it looks like Saka is going to be out for a while now. Um, so, Saar is, is likely going to revert to right back. And, yeah, there is going to be an even more empty spot up front because Bunasar, let's face it as well, has been performing very well in the last couple of games. Despite his imprecisions um, against Brest, he was very good last night. So, wait, 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 wait he, you, it, you're saying Bunasar was good? I think he was. I think he was really good last night. He sets up Sakai for the, the you know, the, the, the play when we get a penalty. But um yeah, I think he's 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 been okay. He's not been a star performer, but he's been pretty good on the right wing of the last couple of games. Um but it looks like he's now gonna have to step back into right back with Sakai out injured. I I welcome that change because it honestly, apart from he scored against Brest, which we all agree was basically he would end up just being there, like it, he it was none of his doing. He just said, that, yeah, he followed in. through, didn't he? Yeah, but he apart from through. that, he was awful. He didn't do anything. He was like he might as well not have been on the pitch for, for the rest of the game. Uh, it it wasn't it, it wasn't that bad to be honest. It, it's just like I think it's a great option when we are facing like. Um, team where there is not much space compared to what we have. So we have three choices at this spot. Basically, is Saar, Jama, and Lopez. Lopez is interesting when there is space between the midfield and in front of the defense, which is rarely the case, to be honest, in League One. And but um, and Saar bring like some stability in this four-one-four-one, which can be really. Um, 
difficult to manage when you have like Sanson and Roger, which got to press really high on the pitch, is additional security. So that's why he's interesting at this position. Of course, offensively, is like barely useless, but is can I think it's one of our best options depending on the game. We don't have any much more choice until Tovin is back, to be honest. Okay, fine. Um, the So the second point that, obviously, the second recurring point that I like to talk about and revisit today, um, and I'll, I'll go with you, Ben, but obviously, Raf, jump in um, if you've got anything to say, is um, the Strootman case. So last time we talked about him was for the Toulouse game. Um, despite our win, um, Strootman was just complete, his complete non-factor. He was basically two seconds behind every single chance. He was he couldn't track back his player. He couldn't man mark his player. Yet I personally thought you thought he was a bit better offensively, but I thought that even offensively going forward, um, he he provided no like like added value. If uh, like if you had like any other player, it would be the same thing. Against Brest though, it might have been a concerted effort with with Rongier and Sanson, but Struman looked a lot a lot more solid and a lot more kind of on the ball. What, what did you make of, of Strootman specifically in that game, seeing that he was so scrutinised in the past week? Well, we, we were talking about it with Raf last night, funnily enough. And he, look, let's face it, he, we expect a lot from him because of where he's played and, and you know his his intelligence and the fact he's, he's a Dutch international. He was, he was awful against Toulouse. We pointed it out. And it seems to be a recurring trend that whenever we bash anyone on this podcast, they play really well the next game. So maybe they listen, listen to it. <laughs> I don't know. But um, it seems to be a trend because I've bashed Payet and he's, he's come tramps. And we bashed Strootman and he's, he's playing well again. So, yeah, I think he's... You can you could see against Brest, he was always in the right position to break up their attacks. Um, and so maybe, maybe I think... With the fact that him and, and Rongier and Sasson have been starting together consistently for you know for the last five games, in that midfield, they it seems like they found their complementarity and and they know they they've realised where to position themselves in in relation to each other and he seems to to realise that if one of them commits and, and dives forwards in terms of trying to press and gets caught out against Brest, he was always there to mop up in in midfield in front of the back four and. and you know, yes, he he probably doesn't have the legs, but if he can compensate for it with with his positioning and his reading of the game, which is are his strengths, then he 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 is again becoming. You know, well, he's a, he's the only player who can play in that position in the team anyway. But he's actually becoming an asset if he if he continues to play at this level. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's hopefully it lasts. But I think physically he does have limitations that are gonna are gonna. You know, obviously, mean that he's going to get caught out time and time again. Yeah, and and just to highlight on your point uh, with some of the stats, he he over ninety percent pass pass passing percentage. Sorry, on in that breast game, um, he had he had four successful tackles, one hundred percent tackling accuracy. Um, is he 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 was the player who like beat his um the 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 breast Jello, who's the other center center midfielder. To, he's won the, the most headers and aerial contests. He completely dominated that, that side of the pitch. And it's like you said, he's not even a number six. And then that night anyway, he was like the perfection of what a number six is supposed to do. What were we going to say, Rash? Yeah. Uh, also, I think um, because everything we are saying now, it's what he has been done since the beginning. He has been doing since the beginning of the season. The thing is, I do think the press game was really adapted to his to his skills because 
where he's in difficulties and when there is a lot of transitioning and people full on speed going on him and he has to cover space and this kind of thing. With the high pressing, he was able to read where the defenders or the goalie was supposed to send the ball in and so was already then already at the right positioning to get back to the ball. He didn't have to cover so much space because they didn't run through. And that's where it's a weakness. If we've, I think we we will see the Strootman we used to see at the beginning of the season. Uh, next time we are facing a team which do transitioning football. It's just this specific game and also the Angers game made him look good because it was adapted to his skills and what he can do on the pitch and his physical limitations. Yeah, okay. Fine, and then for the final five minutes um, that we talk about the Brest game, I'd like to talk about the third and, and final recurring theme that we've talked about in past podcasts, and it's the uh, it's the Kamara uh, situation. He's So despite all of our talks, um, where we said, you know, he should play in the midfield, and, and despite what he's saying in interviews, we should still tell him, well, look, you will get better in the back, and and but in the meantime we'll play you in the midfield. Raf, you've been a, a big advocate of, of of saying let's just wait it out, let's keep playing him in defence and see how it is. And Villas Boas does seem to agree with you. You know, he said, um, in the long term I see Kamara's potential to be one of the best um, central defenders in, in Europe. And and the fact that he not only that, but the fact that he wants to play in that position doesn't really allow him to put Kamara in the midfield long term. Um he played centre back against Brest. Um, he he was he's been doing well. I mean, he quite a relatively pedestrian pedestrian uh, performance because there wasn't that many chances the Brest had. But he seemed to be solid. W- what do you think of his situation now? Uh, I think the situation is the same, and it's always the same with such young players. We have to be patient. I know it's like a a bad word for Marseille supporters, but this has to be the thing is versus Brest it was really good because it wasn't put like in difficulties on his weakness which is um, reading when there is crosses and things like that or when he has someone running in his back this is his two main weakness now that will improve because it it has two of the most difficult things for a defender to understand and to read the games and so on and so and that's why it was that good on Brest and versus Brest and I do think he has to play midfield or defence, depending on the game, depending on the situation. Like We will always have injuries or, or, or suspended players, so every time things like this will happen, he will go back. But yeah, I think we still have to make him play as the best player, depending on the game. And that's what Avib is doing anyway. He's always adapting his team to who is his, who's his opponent is. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, it will depend just on that, I think. Yeah, Ben. What 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 did you make of Kamara and, and of the situation in general? Because he was like 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 Raf said, he you know he didn't have much to do. He was still very good. He had a hundred percent tackling accuracy, two interceptions. He was over ninety percent again in passing passing percentage. He he's great. Look, we we praise the kids a lot, um, but we also we also try and keep him grounded in in our in our analysis of him. Um, he worried me a bit more last night at the beginning because he, he tried playing out from the back and tried dribbling and he got caught out because he was, you know, any any experienced defender in that situation would have just punted it forwards towards mm. the beginning of the game and he, he, you know, he was being pressed by two players and he looked, you know, he panicked a bit, which is which will happen. Unfortunately, he did react quickly enough and yes, he had to foul the player, but he had to. But yeah, he seems. I think he, he's he's. 
made he's as good as the player next to him is and he's one of those central defenders that needs needs to work in a partnership and needs to play in a partnership and let's face it this season whether it's been with Alvaro Gonzalez or Chileta Carr he, he's he's always been you know the, the sort of constant he's always been the starter with with one of those two and um you know I think that that Chileta Carr has, has been brilliant recently as well so it's worth praising him as well and they make each other look good when they're playing confidently um, and, and when, they're, when they're capable of, of communicating and, and sharing that workload at the back. So he's he's been good. Kamara's been good. But I still think, I'm, I'm not going to change my opinion, I still think he, he will be a better defensive midfielder in the long term. Um, but yeah, if AVB wants to play him at the back and he's performing well, may, long may he continue. <laughs> Well, anything that AVB does is just uh, it's just has got the blessing at the moment, isn't it? Well, he's walking on water, mate. Let's yeah. face it. I mean, is whether it's the way he sets the team up, the way the way we, we played last night, which was, you know, very not. Angier, Stéphane Moulin, the coach, said that he wasn't expecting us to, to go there and, and shut up shop and let them have the ball, and and that was AVB. He said that's what we were planning to do is, mm. is give them the the pressure of having to produce the play and catch them out when they make mistakes and. Whether it's that or or his substitutions, which have, have been spot on. I mean, he's brought Hadonich on twice, and it's it's won us the game. Um, yeah, he, he look, he can't do anything wrong at the minute. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, you you've mentioned without a game, so why don't we just um uh, kind of cap it off the Brest game? Uh, obviously, a great win. Probably, like I said, like one of the most exciting wins uh, uh since the start of the season. Um, but the weekend was finished, and then yesterday we played Angers, who was um, who, despite us being um, a lonely second, Angers was third. We were playing away at Raymond Copa, uh, Raymond Copa Stadium, um, and you know it, it's a game that on paper we say yeah we're better than Angers, but seeing the incredible run that has been going on for their standard, um, it's a game that Marseille is used to dropping points at. But um, AVB completely flipped the tactics that we saw against Brest, was very high pressing, playing high up the pitch, and he's completely, and that's what I'll give it to him, he's he's completely adapted his team depending on the opponent, and who was Angers, because Angers, uh, you may not know, but Angers is the team who's got the lowest um, possession in the whole league since the start of the season, and Marseille decided to play in a 4-3-3, but play very, very um, close to their goal and just gave Angers the ball. And then we basically looked to play on, on very fast build-up attacks. Marseille, obviously that worked very well, because as you probably know, Marseille's won 2-0. Um, and only had a 38% of possession compared to Angers' 62. Which, like you said, Stéphane Moulin, the, the Angers coach was completely but he couldn't believe what he was seeing the fact that Marseille was just giving Angers the ball and that translated in Marseille winning 2-0 and being temporarily second uh, with only two points from PSG who's the leader of Ligue 1 what Raph because Ben I, I just gave you the the talking stick so I'll go to, Ra, to Raph what did you make of yesterday's game were, were, you, were you impressed by AVB were you impressed by some of the players and, and what did you take away from that uh, for me, like, this game is really AVB masterclass because even, like, from the press conference before, he hinted, like, yeah, we won't change the team, we will keep the same players, and so on. And so we were, ex even the, I think, Angers coach was expecting to be the same kind of game. And yet, he has exactly the same players, but completely changed the tactic. And 
just that like seeing the same players be able to do so many different things from one game to one other is like just incredible and it feels good to finally see Marseille with a tactic. It has been since Bielsa, we haven't seen that, so that feels so good. And yeah, it just push where it puts Ange in difficulties, where pushing their weakness, avoid them to develop the games I want to do, and especially was really weak, uh, all the transitioning and exposing our defense by playing high and so on. So it really just play a mind game there, and that allow us to to win that game and to dictate what we wanted to do with that game and that was really impressive to be honest yeah yeah and, and obviously worth noting we've already spoken about him but Payet got uh, an assist and a goal and Rangier is is obviously is just carrying on walking on water he was elected man of the match uh, at the end of the game uh, and he obviously completely dominated midfield Ben what did you make of the Angers game um, um, from, from, from the bar well, first of all, you know, last season that's a game we would have lost, yeah. quite quite simply because it, it, it's definitely. I think what what we're seeing, and and this is where it's interesting to to analyse two games in one go because it can actually contrast the games. When you look at the the way we're, we're now playing, we look like a proper football team that is able to adapt and that that has different ideas and that has a plan B, and that's that's down to AVB because he's you know he's a well travelled manager and and he's quite ambitious in the way he he coaches and the way he sets the team up. Um, compared to probably when he was in the Premier League. I think he's, he's doing very well with what he's got at his disposal. And Friday night, we, we had to produce the play. And, and when we realised that Brest were giving us spaces, we went for it. And, and the, the team sort of, you know, we, we created 35 chances and scored two. And last night, we probably had four, what was it, six shots and we scored two. So the, the way that we're able to set up, depending on the opposition, the way we approach the games... It's it's just so much more professional. It feels like he, he always has a plan and he does his homework in terms of the video analysis. So, yeah, I think last night was, you know, it's one of those games. It's You wouldn't call it a, a hold up, as, as we sometimes say in France, but it, it felt a bit like, like that because Angers were actually dominating the game. They were creating chances. Mododa pulled off a brilliant save just before we, we opened the scoring, which was, again, a very intelligent play by Payet to take the free quick kick quickly and Sossel to actually run forward and, and come off with a good shot for a change. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it's that adaptability that, that I think is is the, the, the key this season and, and just contrasting those two games where we, we, are, we created lots of chances but struggled to score on Friday. But yesterday we didn't create a lot, but we scored two. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um if you if, if you guys, anyone listening, is like accustomed to watching the, the, the French national team with Didier Deschamps, it very f- felt like that kind of game where the opponents got most of the possession, they seemed to not be able to make much of that. And when you look at the statistic, and then when you look back at the game, apart from that one Mandanda save at the start of the game, like we weren't really scared at all. You know, it was it was pretty much like Angers was kind of didn't know what to do with the ball, and and they never recreated any chances, and it it resulted in a game where. If you never watch Marseille, you thought like, oh, Marseille's like kind of sloppy. They're not really making anything of the ball. They can't even dominate Angers. But if you tactically it was the absolute perfect approach where you you play Angers at their own game, forcing them at home to, to, to make the play and then just basically 
make use of the the tactical advantage and the individual players that you've got the fact that we're so much individual so much better individually than than RJ players and it worked out completely well um but the, the thing is even if playing diff so you don't have to play offensive football to dominate your adversary like your opponent we were defensive but we dominate them because we made them play the way we want defensive football can be amazing when you look at coach like Deschamps or Conte tactically it's incredible to watch it's just yeah it's not like offensive football and everything but tactically it's so precise yeah and it's exactly it was a scenario I think AVB has in his mind and it worked and it was proper football so that's just what we want to see is something that makes sense and it it was making a lot of sense last night yeah um and it, it's something that actually don't want to highlight is it's something that we were not able to do with Garcia and other co- even Bielsa is being able to play two different playing style um the f- and I'll ask you that Ben because the, the fact that we've shown that against a team on very good form we're able to to play defensively and playing counter football and fast build up football probably scenarios that we're going to encounter a lot against teams that are better than us like in the Champions League or, or against PSG and Lyon I think it bodes really well ahead when we think when we're going to play big teams and to say are we able to to, to, to play and to exist in a game where we're not going to be able to keep 60% of the ball with Payet basically going back down and playing very high line what do you think, Ben? Do you think that is going to translate into into winnings against big teams, or do you think it's it's just a matter of just a case by case against Andre? Well, again, it's you know it's it's it, we're all happy to see that, but it's it's early it's early days still with ABB. We've got to bear in mind that he's you know he's only had like less than twenty odd games with his squad. The fact that he has a blueprint is good, but the fact the players are actually sticking to it is is much better. Um, so, yes, I think it, what, what he seems to be very good at doing is, is picking out the, the, the opposition's weakness and sort of, you know, finding a way, putting a game plan together to exploit that. And, and last night we did that. I mean, as you say, Orgy have been on a great run of form. They're, they're further in the league. They have beaten some, some pretty decent sides away and home. So... You, you go into that game expecting a difficult game and actually we completely nullified their threat. I mean, they, they created a few chances. The first 20 minutes, they were all over us. But as soon as we got the goal, they looked like they were they were in shock a bit. And, and we actually stepped up our game then and, and started to be a lot more um, decisive. Every time we got the ball back from them, we, we were creating danger pretty much. Whereas they were, they were dominating the possession, as you said, but they were sterile. So... It, it is it is a blueprint that you hope we stick to for future games, but also for you know against the bigger sides because that may be the way to beat them. But again, if, if you're talking about Champions League, you, I would expect us to, to strengthen the team and buy some some players that mean we can actually be a threat, not just have to nullify theirs. Yeah, no, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, I, I was obviously it's it's really nice to see that the the, the issue that most people had with Bielsa and, and Garcia is the fact that we were so one-dimensional that after six months of them being coaches, you knew a week in advance how we were going to play, that week in, week out, week in, week out, week out, sorry, it was going to be the same play style and that opponents could easily like have like bullet material, bullet point material to, to basically nullify us. With AVB though, it seems that 
from week to week, the opponent, and it was highlighted by, by Stefan Moulin after the game, the Angers coach, who was just like, we're completely thrown off by the tactic. It was comp- not what we expected at all. And it, it's, it very, it's a quite a relief to see, you know, it, 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 look, it feels like, and it gives you the idea that it's a sustainable way of coaching because you don't have an expiry date where, where coaches are going to figure out and then know what you'll play good at and what your weaknesses are because we, from week to week and actually three days later after Aunt Brest, we've completely flipped how we played and successfully done it. So personally, I think I, I think it's kind of put some of my worries about AVB at ease where you can see firsthand that there is like a lot of thought brought in and then kind of a lot of accounting of the opponent and the opponent's weaknesses going into each game. Um, there's um, guys, there's a humming sound in the background. I don't know if it's your yeah, mic. I think it's outside close. of my house. I don't know who the fuck is. <laughs> I don't know. Sounds, I don't know what someone is doing. It's not a car. It sounds like a like a truck or something. Anyway, um, I'll probably mute my my mic as soon as you guys get talking. So I'll, I'll give you the cool. talking stick. Um, three main points again that I would like to talk about um, against uh, the against Angers. Um, the first one is uh, Mandanda. You guys have highlighted it. Um, when it was nil-nil at the start of the game, he managed to pull out a wonder save, which kept us afloat. And personally, I think just like the Toulouse game, if he didn't make doesn't make the save a nil-nil and it goes one-nil to Angers, it completely throws us off. And then our whole game plan is is kind of thrown over the boat, and we have to play desperate football. Do, honestly, what what do, what do you guys do, what do you guys think about Mandanda against Brest and Angers? And I don't know. Do, do you think he could start for the French team? I'll start with Raf, by the way, because Ben's Ben's just all. Um, um, so unfortunately, like I arrive a bit late thanks to London commuting, so I haven't seen that save. But uh, anyway, like a big save in the beginning of a match, you know, will be tense, and when you are defense defending your your side and everything is always really good for confidence, and it's also really good to see Mandanda getting back to his best level and seeing him that. He made us want so many points that season. He was so key to us. And um, it feels good to finally have a keeper and not like every single time there is a shout like, oh, yes, there's going to be a goal. And that, that's a really good thing. And to be to start in the French team for the EU, it will depends of Lloris injury because I think if he's completely back to 100%, uh, Manada will be second keeper. But if Loris is so so didn't come back like as expected, he might have a shot. Yeah, and yeah. he deserves it. Yeah, to be honest. yeah, yeah, he does, and he's look, he's been very consistent. He's he's been our, our most consistent player with Angers since the start of the season, um, and he yeah he's back to his best. And he, <coughs> I think we we said it in terms of um you know when when we saw AVB give the armband back to him and and. We all know he threw a bit of a strop when he came back a couple of years ago because he didn't get it straight away automatically. But yeah, it seems to to really, you know, be his role, and he he is leading by example. He's he's you, you can tell that the confidence that he's he's sort of broadcasting and shining onto his teammates, and especially at the back with a, you know our young centre backs. I, I think they know that Mondada's got their back. He's just there and he's back to his best, but. Yeah, we, we know Deschamps and we know that as soon as Loris is back and if he if he does come back in time and he, he gets 
in a in a game action and, and he, he gets his sharpness back, he will be starting at the Euros. Unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, and and one of the one of the things that he didn't he seemed to have lost and he seemed to have been such a strength prior to him having lost it is his foot his footwork. You know, like against Angers, he nearly assisted the goal for Benedetto. You know, it's like he seemed to to be a lot sharper in his vision of the pitch and in in how fast he plays and his ability to with his feet to actually pick out a good pass accurately, which was for the last year or two his weakness. Let like let's be honest, every time he every we play the ball back to him to his feet and he had to actually make something with the ball, we were all pretty scared, you know, and. He seems to have gained that back, and it, it again it, it bodes very well for the for at least the end of the season. I don't know where it's where it puts us at the end of the season. Whether we're going to continue with Mandanda, who's now going to be thirty five years old, is he going to carry on for years and years and years, or or, or should we start looking for a replacement? I think it's probably going to be a, a problem for Zubazareta. Um, second point, and I'll, I'll I'll probably get to talk to Ben about that. Um, is you mentioned him already today? Is Chaitasar. Um, a player who at the start of the season was was put on the bench um, for the benefit of Alvaro Gonzalez and Camara, but because of suspension and injuries, he's come back on as a starter, played a lot of games in a row, and honestly, if you ask me, he's probably the best defender out of out of Camara, Alvaro Gonzalez, and Chaitza. What did you make of him against Ange? Because he didn't seem to have a lot of flaws yesterday. No, he's look, he's been very good. I I, I was surprised because I thought that Gonzalez would slot right back in next to Kamara, especially in, a, in an important away game like that. But again, AVB you know kept his faith in, in the same starting eleven. Um, Chetta Caras, I think he, he he was in a press conference as well last week where he was very honest about you know the fact that he came back from the World Cup. He was a bit short on fitness, and he, he was. We, we said this several times last season that. The poor guy was just thrown in at the deep end by Garcia in difficult away games against rivals, and he he never played consistently or or started consistently enough to build up the momentum. And now now he's he's got a few games under his belt in the last few weeks. Um, he, he's you know he's, uh, uh, other players could have could have quite easily sulked on the bench, thinking Jesus Christ, you know this Alvaro guy's come in and he's starting, and I've been here for a year and. Am I ever going to get a chance to play? But he, he actually just kept working hard. Um, he's, he looks very fit and very sharp compared to last season. And, and I think his, where, where his true quality is, is his domination physically in, in the aerial battles. Because he is extremely important in that department for us. When we're defending set pieces or when we're defending, you know, when, when, there's a, when he has to go up for a header, he seems to consistently win those challenges in the air. So... I'm very, you know, I'm very happy with him, and, he, and may, may continue. I think he, you know, he's he's finally justifying some of his price tag, and I can see that, you know, if he goes on to have a good season, continue having a good season, goes to the Euros, we may be getting offers for him this summer. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't let him go though. Like, it, if it, I know we've only had three um, signings in the, in, the, in the summer in the summer window, but with Chadasar actually proving to be a a very well. Um, a starting defender, Strootman, who's who's starting to, to find his feet, uh, and Radonic, who's who's coming out of his shell. It feels like we've got the, all the signings we made last summer in 2018. It seems like completely new players, and it you know it's p- players that you completely counted out at the start of the season in the squad. They seem to be contenders for starting positions. So, although we've had only Rangier, Alvaro Gonzalez, and Benedetto as signings this season, it feels like. The, 
a lot of players have been progressing and and Strutman, Chaitatel and, and Radonic have, they look like new recruits, <laughs> essentially. Yeah, and also one thing to notice with Chaitatel is like, Amavi is going back to a footballer level and yeah. so he doesn't have to cover him all the time and so he can finally focus a little bit on more at least on his task and his positioning and so on because you know his left side is a bit stronger and also his keeper is stronger and just for his momentum and his confidence and his ability to play his game it's massive and so i think that is helping him also a lot yeah, definitely. One, um, of his, one of his key qualities is is his passing range because he, he is able to, in, in games, you see him, you know, you, you always worry when you see your centre-back going for a long Hollywood pass, but he, he does <laughs> seem to consistently get get the, get the, get them right. He's been very good. At, that, that was already his quality last season that was clear to see was the way he's able to clear the lines and the way he can pick, up a, pick out a teammate down the field with a very precise pass. And now, now he's added his... His consistency with his defensive level, and as you say, after that's that's probably born out of confidence that his left back is a bit better and his keepers back back on top form. So, I think he he, he will he has been taking a bit more risks and it's been paying off. Yeah, and and even him taking more risk, his passing accuracy is still ninety four percent, which is like he's trying a lot and he he's connecting on, on most of his passes, which is incredible for a twenty three year old. Yeah, and also what's interesting is he starts to move forward with the ball when there is no like easy solution this time to bring the ball, to bring a player to him and then be able to pass to a midfield and so on. It's things like we haven't seen that like for a while from a defender or only from Kamara. And so that's a really good news. He starts also to bring that to his game, things he was already doing in Salzburg, actually. So that's a good news. We start to see the proper Chaita Chao now. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's honestly, and it gives us a, a rich man's problem. Because like you said, we, we, we did expect Gonzalez, Alvaro Gonzalez to come back from his suspension and start straight away. But because you got Chaitasal, who's performing so well, Kamara, who seems to have AVB's comf- um, trust, it, it's, it's not a very easy option, you know, as, as Villas Boas to, to, to say who's going to start. Because even though Gonzalez came on, it's not common for centre backs to come on during a game. And it's not something that I expect to see more often. Um, He's going to have an issue with picking out in the big games who's going to start, you know? Do you go with experience or do you go with the players who are most on form? It's a difficult decision. Uh, to be honest, I do think the one that should be removed uh, is Kamara because he still have to learn and things like that. But and Alvaro and, and uh, Cheta Charles really a good like chemistry also. And uh, Alvaro is really into the physicality and understand reading the game being on his opponent and what Chaitacha can move the ball forward and do the passing and do this kind of work. And so I think it's the most complement like yeah, complementary pair of players. But obviously with when we see all many how many times we are booked and so on, like all of them will play and all of them will finish with twenty games this season, I'm sure. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, isn't isn't Streetman gonna be suspended against Nîmes? Uh, I need to check that actually because he, yeah, he picked so up a yellow, but I don't know if yeah. it was his third. No, no, he will, he will be suspended against Nîmes. I've just read read it, and um, so yeah, he's the likelihood is Kamara is going to go back in midfield at that game. So yeah. every everybody is going to get playing time in the next few weeks leading up to Christmas, and hopefully we can carry this momentum. Yeah, yeah, uh, right. And then linking to that point, actually, 
about players getting game time uh, but being on the bench. Um, my final point is going to talk about Maxime Lopez, who his last great game was against Lyon when he played on the right wing and, and was very, very effective there. But maybe maybe there was actually a curse in disguise for him because he's because Roger and Sanson are now being preferred at number eight instead of him. He's only come on both games since the Lyon game, but he's come on twice in a in right winger position, which doesn't favour him at all. And he's been very disappointing in both outings. What what did you guys make of of Lopez? And honestly, do you, do you think that I, I agree? Like you said, Raf, he's gonna play. He's gonna get game time because it's gonna be suspensions. But I, do you think he might have lost his spot now for the rest of the season? I don't think for the rest of the season. It's just like for now, um, AVB has found like an equilibrium with his two number eight, which are pressing really, really high and ask them like a lot of physicality and so on. And especially Sanson, which is supposed to bring like some big runs into come to help Benedetto to offer him uh, solutions and so on. But I do think when Tova will be back, Tova will, will have this role. And so I do think at that stage, Sanson might not be that useful because of this really low IQ in football. And Lopez <laughs> yeah. might be more interesting to play with Bayer. You just hate Sanson, mate. No, no, <laughs> just it's personal. just... No, 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 Getting the rhythm of the game is always a nightmare. Like to run into space, to make one pass when he's there, and to maybe try a shot, something like that, or to press really high and to make like a, to make physical pressure on people. Yes, but to construct game, please, in the midfield is like absolutely <laughs> awful. It's like a, a low IQ van der Beek. Like that's just all it is. And so, yeah, no, I do think Lopez might take his spot after when Tova will be back. And I hope so, to be honest. But yeah, it's just... I do think he will have some shots. And also in this midfield, just now, IVB has found some equilibrium. And so we'll see what he will think for the next game and how he will adapt his team versus the next opponents and so on. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's a tough one with Lopez because he, we know he's, like, he's, he's too lightweight to play out on the wing and he, he just doesn't get forward. He doesn't have that... You know, he doesn't know the position, so he's always going to struggle there. Um, and he just doesn't have the pace anyway to be to be a threat going forward. But when he came on last night, he actually, he, he was out on the right, but the midfield was a bit more compact. So it seemed like we were playing with three central midfielders, but even though Lopez was, was charged with, with covering Saar a bit. Um, and it, it worked in the second half because we, we the, the second half just flew by. You know, we, we, they didn't create a lot at all. They had, I think they had one header, which, which was threatening. Um, yeah, they had enough too much. Yeah, I think we we were a lot more solid in the second half in terms of what we were doing with the ball and, and the way we were pressing um, in the midfield. We was, we were really closing them down a bit a lot more, and, and Lopez came on to to, to fulfil that role. Um, and and I think you know the, the main for me the main point I'm taking away from this is if if. I mean, we, we all we're all trusting AVB blindly at the minute because it's it's he's doing everything perfectly right and it's paying off for winning. But how how bad must Germain's form or state of mind be if Lopez, Hadonich, and, and all of these guys are, are starting or coming on as subs ahead of him? 
And I, I, I was very surprised when he took Benedetto off yesterday to not to not put that he didn't put Jamal or Radonichon to, to keep a threat up front, but it was quite clear that our tactic from that point was to close the game out. So And also Jamal's shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to be honest. Like, he is this season. He has been very poor this season. So this far, season? What <laughs> about last season? No, well, yeah, no, he's, he, we, we, we all seasons. Yeah, we bashed Jamal, but he's popped up with a few important goals. And I, I don't hate the guy. I don't dislike him, but I just... I, I'm... I'm just neutral about him, you know. I don't, I don't hold a special place for him, um, but he is the more experienced player. So fair play to AVB for for sticking to his guns and sticking to his tactic and not not falling for the the Gasset temptation, which was to to bring Germain and automatically always the same substitutions. Yep, yep, very well. Um, looking ahead now to next week um we're playing yet again the third uh third team in the league because bordeaux absolutely dismantled Nîmes at home a 6-0 um and i'm looking at the stats now it <laughs> it was not a pretty sight to watch they had over seven they played in a fourth uh, three four three which we haven't played yet this season um 73 percent position it was it was completely annihilation um, of of, of Neem, um yesterday for Bordeaux. We're playing them uh, at home, which is is a much better sign Thank of us seeing that we can't we can't see can't seem to beat them away <laughs> to save our lives. But it's gonna Fuck be sake. seems to be that it's gonna be a team on form again that we're playing, uh, a team that's coming off an insane game. So maybe they they you know they're gonna be looking to. To play for what what they look Marseille has to be, which is one of their rivals. What do you think this guy this game is going to turn out to be? Do you think we're going to carry on our, our form, and then obviously if we win that game, we make a solid cushion for at least until February um, to stay in second position. So, uh, first, like about the game of Bordeaux yesterday, one thing you need to be keep in mind, and that way versus like the last in the league and also because uh, supporters invaded the pitch I do think Nim was a bit like in in shock situation that might have created like I mean, explained so many goals but the thing is like on the other side Paulo Souza is on the, I think one of the most interesting coach in Ligue 1 this season and He's play. He's a coach that like to play the game and to a bit like Brest actually. And so I do expect the same kind of tactic for fans versus Brest, it'll especially. Be, it'll be difficult to the... have no position at home though. Yeah, true. But the thing is, like their defenders doesn't like high pressure neither. Like so, I'm listening to some podcast football podcast with a guy which is following Bordeaux, and he explicitly says that like, as long as you make high pressure, you have a chance with this team. So I think that will be the, the strategy and that could end up in a win. But obviously, it's a free, free defenders uh, positioning. We know Benedetto doesn't like this kind of positioning at all. His worst game has always been versus a free guy's defense. So we will see. But I do think we have some chances, but we will see. What's your prediction? Uh, uh, as usual, like a short win, one nil, two one, something like that. Fair enough. Fair enough. What, what about you, Ben? What, what, what are you, what are you looking for in this game? Well, it's I, I, again, it's worth pointing out the context that Bordeaux and you know Paulo Souza 
has been a good manager for them. I mean, they you know they had a non-manager situation last season with Ricardo and, and just the same old shit. And, yeah, we even when when Souza came, even when he came, he wasn't yeah. good either. No, he wasn't very good when he came, but he, he's turned it around. He seems to have found you know he's working with a really limited squad and and add to that the context around the ownership that's going on there, where their their main owner wants wants to walk away after less than a year. So you, yeah. you, you, it could have backfired very easily yesterday, but the, the play, you know, the fans invaded the pitch. The players could have, if that happened in Marseille, and we all remember the toxic atmosphere a few years ago when we, we lost to Rennes at home in the last Vincent Labrune season, five <laughs> two, <laughs> and it, yeah, it was just embarrassing. And, and the players were shitting themselves because of the pressure from the stands, and, and it could have easily gone that way for Bordeaux as well. But no, it seemed to spark them into life, and you know they they, they scored six goals, and I, I do think. May, Maybe AVB will, will again pleasantly surprise us and tweak the tactics a bit because the way they set up yesterday, I watched the highlights, it, it was very Bielsa-esque. And we know that the, the way that teams used to counter us when we, were, we set up with that system was to play two strikers or certainly to, to have a midfielder that pushes further up the pitch and, and supports and the number nine. So maybe that is a solution. and Maybe that's the way we, we AVB will look at, at trying to put them under pressure. Maybe they won't even play in that system again on Sunday. Who knows? But I'd, I'd be surprised if they changed it after the result like last, uh, last night. It's, yeah, they'll probably so, stay like that. Yeah, so it's uh, it's always difficult games against Bordeaux, whether, well, especially over there. But at home, we I think we've got a favourable record with the, against them in the, over the last few years. But it's never an easy game. It's, it's never, a, you know, it's never a simple game, and, and we, we are viewed as one of their main rivals for their fans. So, fuck knows why, because they're light years behind <laughs> us, and, and, and they're a shit, they've turned into a shit show of a clump. But it's, it's not going to be an easy game, and they seem to be flying high at the minute. But again, I think that the players will look at this game as, as the opportunity, as you've said, to, to really break away from the pack in terms of the points. Um, and it would send a message to the, the rest of the league that hey, we, we mean business this year. And if you're gonna, if you want to catch us, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to be more consistent, and you're gonna have to really start bringing, raising your game. So, I think the play, our players will be motivated to beat them at home. I think we will win one or two nil. I don't think they'll score. Um, I just think that we're too, we're too comfortable defensively at the minute. We, we seem to be able to. Um, unless we we fall asleep like we did against Brest for for you know two minutes and and we get caught out, I think that, that the way the game is going to play is it's going to be quite. I don't see it being an open game. I see it being a very close game just because the, the tactical setup of the teams will nullify each other. But I still think we'll come away with a win, and I, I expect a similar game to yesterday. To be honest, where we don't have much possession, but we, we we're very dangerous on the break. Very well, very well. Well, um, thank you very much, guys. Uh, so that caps off uh, our two-in-one uh, podcast with um, the Brest win and Angers win. Uh, and obviously, we looked ahead as well at the Bono game on Sunday, 8 p.m. Um, looking forward to seeing you guys again on, on next Monday for another podcast. Again, if, you, if you're around in London, uh, number one bar, London Bridge, uh, to watch the game, uh, to see us all. And uh, actually, are you guys going to the game on at the bar? Yeah, I'll be there on Sunday. Yeah, all right. Cool. I won't, unfortunately. But yeah. All right. Well, you, you can get an autograph from Ben here if if you guys are <laughs> if you guys are in London, um, <laughs> and obviously CR are now officially sponsored um, OM kind of OM group um, at the at number one bar bridge, London Bridge. Sorry. Um, but apart from that, nothing else to say. Thank you very much for listening, and then we'll catch you on next Monday after the Bordeaux game. Hopefully, continuing our our streak. All right. See you guys. Yep.
Cheers, everyone. Cheers. Thanks. Cheers. Bye -bye. See you.